a song of David. Let the heart of the Given you 
living water. The woman says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then have you that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband, and that you said truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. <clears throat> we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here. When the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak. Unto thee, I am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you do not know. Therefore said the disciples one to another, 
Has any man brought him up to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, but you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of your saying, for we... For we heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the whole world. Glory be to God forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So bear with me, because this is also strange for me to do, um, but we'll try and make things work while um, as much as we can. So today's gospel, um, of course, is about the Samaritan woman. Um, and since we're not in liturgy, we can take maybe a little bit more time with it to try and understand um, what's going on here. So our Lord in the previous chapter had actually been sitting and talking to Nicodemus and he was talking about the need to be born again of spirit. And here is our Lord talking again about the need for somebody to have this spirit, but we'll come to that. Samaria was, um, as I'm sure you've all heard many times, was not a place um, that the Jews would happily go to if they could avoid it at all. Um, the Samaritans were the descendants of Jews that remained during the exile of the north who married their Persian um, occupiers. And so they married people um, from among the Persians. They had offspring and they became their, their, their descendants. Um, to the Jews, this was completely abhorrent because they not only fraternized with the enemy, right, but that they also... Um, compromise their nationality, they compromise their religions. This would be the equivalent for a Copt of um, those people who converted to Islam by the sword um, 
or not even by the sword, that willingly embraced Islam or marrying Muslims um, and trying to keep some quasi-hybrid um, in, in the eyes of the cops of Christianity married to Islam. That's how the Jews felt about um, the Samaritans. So to them, they were the, the worst scum of the earth. They were as, as unclean, if not worse, as, as pigs were and unclean animals. So when our Lord says that he, he needs to go through Samaria, um, he's not talking about this geographically. Um, if it was because he wanted to take a shortcut through Samaria, which some people say, he wouldn't end up spending two days there, um, as it says at the end of the gospel. But he was saying he needs to go for the sake of this one person, um, which speaks a lot to our Lord that we'll meditate on um, at the end. So our Lord felt this, this, this need that he had to go to attend to this, to this one soul. And the meeting place for, for, for her is actually a place of commonality between Jews, and, Jews and, 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 and Samaritans. They meet at Jacob's well, the well at Sychar where Jacob encountered God. And so our Lord being tired, sat by the well and it's about noon. And so here comes a woman from Samaria to draw water. And Jesus says to her, give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away to buy meat. Um, one can't help but wonder if the disciples felt very uncomfortable um, about the position that they were being put in. Because um, they're in a land, it's not like it was just the Jews that hated the Samaritans. Samaritans despised Jews. Um, and we read elsewhere in the Gospels that the Samaritans actually prevent Christ from going through Samaria. Um, so it's a, it's a mutual hatred. And our Lord, oddly enough, starts off by asking for something, not by giving something, um, which we would do good to pay attention to sometimes the way we deal with Christ. Um, and the woman has complete hostility and she's completely taken aback by our Lord. She's taken aback because she knows he's a Jew. She's taken aback because men don't talk to women in public places like that. That's not culturally sound or proper. She's taking it back because she can see that he doesn't have stuff to draw water with. And so the Jews legally weren't supposed to touch the water pots or anything to do with the Samaritans. And so she's, she's just very taken aback of who, who is this this guy and she doesn't hide that the Samaritan woman is very honest and straightforward and she says how is it that you being a Jew are asking me to give you a drink and I am a woman first of all of Samaria second of all for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and our Lord is not taken aback by her response. Our Lord is not angry that she's dealing with him with sarcasm. She's, he doesn't flip out on her or treat her badly. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is exactly that's saying to you, give me a drink, you probably would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So there's a bit of a of a play on words here because the living water is confusing to them. This is well water. So well water is still, right? And so well water is not as, as clean as 
um, spring water, as living water. So on one level, a person might think he's talking about, oh, it's not, it's not live water. But he's also talking about life, like of living water of the Holy Spirit. So the woman says to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. And that well is pretty deep. So where exactly do you think you're going to get that living water? Or are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and his kids and his cattle? So this girl is thinking, this woman is thinking, you, you're taking shots at me, right? You, you've just attacked me. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than Jacob? Do you think your water is better than my water? Do you think you're better than this whole history of people who drank from this well just because you're Jewish? So she's, she's offended, right? And, our, and, and she's confused too. And so Jesus doesn't help her confusion. He says to her, whoever drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. It's that simple. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give, that person will not be thirsty again. And the water that I will give will be in that person a well of springing water into everlasting life. Now, like on her end, she's like, this guy's gone off the deep end, right? Like what kind of water makes a person never, ever, ever thirst again? But she, but now she's like, okay, I'll, I'll humor him. I'll humor him. So the woman says to him, sir, okay, give me that water. I'll take it. Give me that water and I, that I don't thirst again. And then I will never have to come here to draw because she is there alone, as many of you have heard many times. She's there alone. She's there at noon. That's not the custom, right? She's there alone because we're going to see her, her history. She's ashamed of her history on some level, probably. But at the same time, she's probably being cast out by the woman of her town. So she probably doesn't like that she's coming to draw on her own and that she's coming on her own at noon when it's hot um, to do this work. So Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, just pay attention to the sequence of events. You have a woman who started off very hostile. And as this encounter is progressing, she's intrigued, okay? She's intrigued because there's something about the character of our Lord that's drawing her to him in a way that doesn't make sense. He hasn't said anything life-changing yet, right? He's, he said, I have this thing I can give you. She's curious about it. But if he sounded crazy, she wouldn't have even entertained the idea. But when our Lord says, go get your husband and come here, there's a little bit more going on to it. And it's not just an invitation to confession, which it also is. It is an invitation to confession. But women at that time, they didn't have, they didn't have meaning. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a mean way. I mean that cult culturally. Women's identity, a woman, a child, or a slave's identity only came from a male, only came from their master. And so Christ is not just asking her to say something about her husband. In, an, in a cultural sense, he's also saying to her, go find your source of meeting and come back to me. And that's a challenge to all of us. Where, what's your source of meaning? Go get your source of meaning and show it to me. When you're going to 
the being that is meaning himself, right? Go, go find it and come to me and let me know about what it means. Because nothing actually has meaning outside of, outside of its creator, outside of the thing that made it. Things only mean things when they're made. Things don't have intrinsic meaning unless somebody gives it meaning, right? God is the only thing that doesn't because he's the only thing that self-existed. Um, and even within God is relationship. And the woman answered so honestly and said, I don't have a husband. And she doesn't, she knows how, how hard that is to say, right? That wasn't an easy thing to say. It wasn't just like not easy because people don't know. She knows it. She knows it and she, she wears it as a badge in that she's there by herself. But I mean, it was difficult for her to say, to say, I'm alone. I'm alone. And I know that what I'm doing is, is wrong, but I'm alone. I, I have actually nothing. And our Lord looks at her and says, not what we would have expected, not the traditional response of, well, what's wrong with you? Or some of us today would have been like, oh, you know what? I'm not judging you, but you need to stop right now. Right. Or it's not too late for you. We, we have all these different responses. Our Lord literally just praises what she said right. He draws her closer to him by actually allowing her to be who she is, knowing that he would cure her. He says, woman, which in that, in that time was, was, was respectful, right? It was what you would use um, to show respect to a woman that's not your family. And he says, my lady, essentially, believe me. Uh, woman, you have said well, very good, good on you that you actually just admitted that you don't have this husband, that you don't actually have a social meaning. And actually, you've had five. You've tried five things out looking for meaning. And he whom you now have isn't your husband, and in that you have said truly. Said to you and me, he's saying, you've tried to find meaning in a whole bunch of things. You've, you've had five husbands. When Origen meditates on this, he says these are the five senses. He's saying, you know, so far you've lived sensually. So far you've tried to find meaning by gratifying the senses. Yes, you did. And, and, and you tried. Okay, you tried um, through the various addictions that, that, that we all have. And we are, we are all addicts in different ways. Some of us try and find our meaning um, specifically through our work. Some people are trying to find our meaning through our sex life. Some of you are trying to find meaning through drugs. Some people are finding meaning by their family alone without giving it a meaning beyond that. Some people try and find meanings in their friendships, in their, in their works, in their volunteer works, in their careers. And, 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 and these are not intrinsically wrong. The woman actually didn't break the law by having had five husbands at five different points, she had most likely lawfully married and divorced because they were actually husbands. These ones weren't, weren't not husbands. So she didn't commit a crime. That wasn't wrong what she did. She, she's an outcast right now because she's living with some guy that's not her husband. But if it had been one of the five husbands, she would have been okay, right? So our Lord's not condemning those things. He's saying, yeah, have those things, but they don't, 
they don't give you meaning. They don't give you meaning. And so the woman's very, very, very taken aback. And she says to him, sir, I get the sense that you are a prophet. Um, and a prophet is somebody who speaks the word of God, who knows God's mind, who knows God's speech, who knows God's intention. Um, and so now, instead of talking to him about her husbands, she's like, oh my goodness, I'm with a real prophet. And instead of being like, oh my Lord, I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe this happened, and we're talking about this guy that I'm living with, she, her mind goes somewhere else. She goes to, sir... I believe her prophet. And she goes, you know, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And she goes straight into the politics. And that is so us. Right? This guy has just said, I want to give you water that lasts forever. I want to give you water that makes you alive. I know who you are. I know you've had five husbands and I know that the guy that you're not living with and I, I want to give you life. And her response is saying, you know what? Your people say we're not allowed to worship here. That's where she goes, right? That's, that's totally us. We'll be going to church, which now we're not allowed to do. We'll be going to church and Christ is saying, please come be my body. Please come participate in my body and in my blood. Please come and let me heal you and one another. And we go in and all we can think of are the politics. Some uncle told me off before. Some tante was a jerk. Some priest said something that really bothers me and I'll never forgive him for it. Or I can't believe that these people said this. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. This is horrible. Woe is me. That's totally us, myself included. We come and we're encountering God, but what we bring to him, unfortunately, often is our politics. But look at Christ. Christ still takes her where she's at. He didn't say, this is none of your business, lady. Get over it, right? He didn't say, this isn't even the subject of conversation. This is our Lord showing that when he outreaches, he condescends to us. And he says to her, my lady, trust me, the hour is coming. The time is coming when it's not going to be here and it's not going to be Jerusalem. Now, this is something he has not even yet said to the disciples. The disciples themselves haven't even heard this content. He is taking this woman so seriously that he is getting into the theological conversation with her. And he's not rebuking her, but he's also teaching her. He doesn't, he doesn't put her down. And he says, <clears throat> it's not going to be here or there where you worship God. And then he actually indulges the conversation and he doesn't do it as a, in a mean way. This is what he's going to talk about is what he's doing right now in spirit and in truth. Because he looks at him and says, you know, um, you don't really know what you're worshiping. But the Jews do. We, we do know what we're, we're worshiping. Because salvation is of the Jews. And so this was a heavy statement. Okay, so Christ wasn't being politically correct. But he was being extremely loving to her. He didn't treat her like garbage when he said the truth. 
because a lot of us today think that we have to choose one or the other, right? And so he actually answers her question, says, no, the Jews are the people of the covenant, okay? I can't pretend that the Samaritans didn't go wrong. They did go wrong. There was one temple established, and it was in Jerusalem, and that was from God. And the true sacrifice until now was supposed to have happened here in Jerusalem, or there in Jerusalem, I should say, when he's saying this to her. And he's like, but, but that's, that is going to change. That's going to change um, because now those who really worship will worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for that kind of person to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What he's saying is, I'm not looking for just touchy-feely people, and I'm also not looking for truth bearers. And I don't mean truth bearers as in not bearing the truth. I mean truth bearers as those who walk around pontificating, um, trying to tell people um, what they must do, how they must think, how they must react, how they must do um, everything they do, and they have no spirit. These people are walking around being like, wrong, 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 and carrying their banners with them wherever they go. He's saying that's not what God is looking for. He's like, no, you need to know the truth. I'm not pretending that true worship right now is supposed to be in Jerusalem. I didn't give you a politically correct answer. Well, you know, we're all kind of saying the same thing. You're worshiping here. I'm worshiping here. It's the same God of our fathers. You're the sons of Jacob. We're the sons of Jacob. We're all cool. Let's sing Kumbaya. That's not what he's, what he's doing. Um, and so the woman says, well, I know that the Messiah is coming because they have the tradition of the Messiah as well who's called the anointed one, who's called the Christ. Um, when he comes, um, he's supposed to tell us everything, right? So she's saying that's, that's what I'm waiting for. So she's taking what he said. She's not agreeing or disagreeing. It's something that's kind of, you know, made her think. And then she's saying, well, I don't know. But when the Messiah comes, I'm sure he'll know. So she's saying, I'm not going to renounce my faith. Like, if you're looking for me to, to become a Jew, I'm not going to become a Jew. But I'm thinking about what you're saying, right? I'm thinking about it. It's entered my head. And we'll see where this goes. And this point, if you don't know the Jewish history and the language that's used, that our Lord answers to her, is one of the most important things that happened in the Gospel of St. John. Because when our Lord looks at her, he says, I who am speaking unto you, me, the one who's talking to you, I am he. And the I am here is the name of God. So this is not like a normal I am. Oh, I'm like that. I'm like, no, not, not, it's not a socially normal I am. This is the name of God that he drops right here. The ego emi. Right? And, and what he's done is identified himself with God by calling himself God. That's what he's done here. What he's done with this woman is actually no less than what God did 
with Moses. When Moses is on the mountain and he's speaking, he says, what's your name? Who are you? Who are you? Because I, I, if, the, if I'm going to go talk to my people, I need to know who you are. Who do I tell them sent me? And the Lord answered him with saying, I am. Ego imi. I am just who I am. I exist. I'm the existing. I am the being. Um, I just am. And this is what he just did with the Samaritan woman. He gave her his name. So that when she goes running back to the town, she bears his name, right? She's become a prophetess in the same way Miriam was a prophetess. She's become one who speaks the word of God. So it's at this very moment that the disciples come and they are in shock. They marvel. They're not marveling positively um, that he is speaking with this woman, with a woman to begin with and a Samaritan woman at that. But the disciples by now have learned to like limit of psalms, collect themselves. <laughs> um, and, and St. John writes, um, nobody asked, what are you doing? What seekest thou in modern English? That's what are you doing? What do you want from this person? Why are you talking with her? So the woman leaves her water pot. This is so important. She leaves her link to dead water. This tradition of Jacob, this old ritualistic worship, this political worship, this sense of dry religion of I think I am righteous because I can say magic words. She leaves that water pot at the well, at that dry well that's not living, and she leaves it and walks away. She doesn't take her pot with her. She goes to the city as this new Moses, as this new Miriam, and she says to the men, right? The man in whom she's supposed to find meaning. She's found a new meaning. She found it in the Messiah. She's coming to the people who condemn her, the people that are the very reason why she was alone at the well. And she doesn't care anymore. She's been liberated from the shame. She's been liberated from the disgust that she feels towards herself, not just from the disgust that others have for her. And she walks into town and she doesn't, she could not care less about what people think and says, come, come and see. This come and see is exactly what our Lord in the same gospel said to the disciples when they wanted to be his disciples. He, they, 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 they say to him, where do you live? That was a polite way of saying, can we come over? Because in those days, disciples lived with their master. So they're saying, where can we live? They're saying, can you, uh, can you invite us? And so now this woman is inviting them, all the people, into Christ's house. And she says to them, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Isn't he the Messiah? So her starting point is her encounter with God. And the reason why she speaks with conviction is because she interacted with God directly. And we're going to come back to that point. Because something's changed in her. Because these people, instead of saying, oh, it's the crazy lady that's living in with the guy. We all know what she's like. Instead, they follow her. 
there's something compelling. Let's be real, right? If somebody just came to your house and said, hey, there's like some miracle guy doing miracles at church. Do you guys want to go? If you said it like that, most people are like, uh, no, that sounds weird. Um, or like some people might be like, huh, what? Some people might Google it. But if you came running and being like, guys, you need to come right now. I was at church and I just saw this guy. He was doing miracles. I know it doesn't seem to make sense and it's crazy. And I don't know what to make of it myself yet, but you guys need to come and see it. I think most people would drop their bags and go. So whatever it is she's doing, she's coming with full conviction. And so they start following. But in the meantime, his disciples ask him saying, um, Master, eat. They want the old dry religion. <laughs> they're, they're all about their stomachs right now. They're typical men. But they're not thinking spiritually. So our Lord has just been talking to this woman who lives in adultery about spirit and in truth. And here are his disciples that are coming with some truth and no spirit. Right? And so I, I feel badly for them. And so they, they say, okay, Master, you know what? How about you eat? And he says to them, I have food that you don't know about which i'm sure was not a source of comfort to the disciples um because they're like what on earth is he talking about and it says so the disciples start looking at each other and they're whispering themselves and they're saying um did anybody bring him something to eat like what 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 is he talking about with this food um and so our lord looks at them and he says my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to do his work. For those who are born of spirit, which he talked in this chapter, that's supposed to be our work. Our work, our food, our, our source of sustenance, our ability to be alive is supposed to come from doing the work of God. What is the work of God? It's this. It's to love. It's to give up your will, to give up yourself, to give up your whole being for the sake of everyone else. That's what God did. That's how he loves. That's why when he says, you want to love me? Follow my commandments. What are my commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Don't return evil for evil. If someone insults you, take it. He calls that love, right? It's, it's putting yourself under the service of, of others. That is what it means to do the work of God. Um, then he says, he uses one of their own expressions, like, don't you guys talk about the saying of, you know, four months and the harvest is coming? And I'm telling you the harvest is here, okay? Um, people who work, people who work get, get paid, okay? And they're going to gather fruit for eternal life. So that he that does the work and he that reaps. So the one that's sowing the seeds, doing the hard work, really. The one who's sowing the seeds and raking and, and digging and doing all of that. He's saying, that's the hard work. You guys are just reapers. You guys come and the harvest is done and you literally, you just pluck the fruits off the trees. And so he's saying, that's, that hard work, that's not you who did it. I, I, I'm, I'm the one who sows the seeds. But I rejoice with you 
and I give you the reward as if you had done the sowing yourself. I want you to participate with me. I'm happy for you to participate with me. Um, but he's like, but just remember that you're entering into other people's labors. So he's put them back in their place, but without putting them down. So many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman who said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they, they asked him to stay with them. Right, so now he's affected the Samaritans. Now the Samaritans, when they went to see him, they, I'm sure they brought out their own theologians with them, right? And they're, they're not saying, okay, no, get this guy out of here. He's a Jew and he's a liar and he's messing us up and he's telling us stuff that contradicts our religion. They're coming and whatever it is that Christ did with them in those two days sets them on fire because now they're coming and then they go to Christ and say, you know what, honestly, we initially came to see you and believe you because of what this lady said. But now, now we believe you because of who you are, because we've met you. That is so important because as kids, we, we, we come to faith partially through some of our own experience, but a lot of it because of other people, even as adults sometimes, right? We can think of that person who really affected me. We can think of, of people who are on fire for, for, for faith. And so it made us get into it. Sometimes it's because somebody was really, really nice to us. We had amazing servants. We had an awesome priest. We had some tongue that was just so awesome that it brought us all in line. There's so many things that might bring us to Christ, and that's good. That's good. That's not wrong. But there needs to be a handoff at some point, or it doesn't feel real to you, right? What changed this woman was her experience of Christ. Because she really experienced Christ, she affected other people. And that's, that's what's really, really pivotal for our generation. Because we don't live in a generation anymore where everybody just believes in God. 30 years ago, for the most part, most people did. They don't anymore. And if they don't see something compelling in you, if you're not like that Samaritan woman, you're not you're not doing anything. Actually, there's a question of, are you just at the dry well? Are you at the dead well? Because that well had meaning. That well of Jacob had meaning, but it wasn't alive. Are you that dead well? Are you the one who's living off of the ritual of faith? And, and God didn't shoot down the ritual. He just said, there's something more to it than that. It's spirit and it's truth. But if you're living in just ritual, your faith is dead. You're not going to bring people to life. You're not going to be able to have that courage that she has to turn around and say something to a hostile community because that's so important for us. This woman started off hostile. Almost everybody in our society today is hostile to God specifically to Christianity. This woman was hostile. And yet our Lord won her over and he didn't win her over by beating her over the head. He didn't win her over by screaming to her about her history. He didn't win her over by counting how many things the Samaritans have wrong. He didn't win her over by telling her the things she did wrong. 
that's not how the encounter with Christ went. The encounter with Christ went by a really loving and true God who comes to her where she's at and converses with her where she's at and then lifts her up. He doesn't just live down there. He then lifts her up. And because of this, she's able to come to him and say, I have hostility. I have hostility because um, I have a messed up life. So part of it is because I'm, I'm, I'm defensive, but part of it is also because you guys say this. And that's so our society too, of saying, we don't like you Christians. You guys, you guys say and do these things. And what the Samaritan woman said actually had a mixture of true and false. Not everything she said that the Jews were saying was stuff the Jews weren't saying. No, some of it the Jews really were saying. And Christ wasn't afraid to say where the Jews were right. But he also was able to say, and here's how it's going to get fixed. And that's why I'm saying some of us think when you're, when you're dealing with people, you have to just give them hugs. And others are like, no, I just need to give them truth because if I don't give it to them, who's going to give it to them? I'm, just gonna, I'm going to punch them in the face with truth. No, take the example of our Lord. Our Lord did speak the truth. He didn't, he didn't skirt the question. The real question she's asking of is who's right, Samaritans or Jews? And he did answer. He did answer and say Jews are right. And yet somehow he was able to do it in such a way that she loved him for it. He was able to do it in such a way that the whole town came out to see him for it. That's, that's what the encounter with a real Christian should do, right? It shouldn't be that the person feels even more repulsed by it. Her isolation was a result of her decisions on some level, but it was also a result of that people are mean. When the people of God, or the people claiming to be the people of God are mean. You make people go to dead waters. All of us have to be so careful of that, right? I, I struggle sometimes where I'm like, when I know I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to do something because this person wants to talk to me and I'm in a bad mood. Please don't let me be the reason that this person goes to a dead well because if i forget that i'm in your name i might be the reason that i kill someone so make sure you're not mean <laughs> because these people these people have been isolated these people have been turned off these people have been cast out because of their own decisions and because people are mean because of both let's not just yell at people the samaritan woman has some culpability for what she did but that's not the point but these people are more raw. That's why the Samaritan woman was like, I don't care that you're a guy. I don't care that you're a Jew. I don't care about any of that. I'm going to tell you it like it is because I am hurt. And when she was honest about that, she allowed God to have conversation. Because she kept going to the well. She didn't stop going to the well. So even if you're mad at God, even if you're mad at church, 
even if you're mad that people in the church are saying messed up things, and sometimes we are, that happens in church because we are a community of human beings who are collectively messed up. That's how it is. But don't stop going even to the dry well. Because our Lord is willing to condescend to you at that dry well, at that dead place, and from it draw life and turn on the whole community. If your community is not doing the things that you wish it would, become what you wish it would. If you're saying you wish people would ask about you, ask about people. If you're saying you wish people would like check on you when you're down and notice that you're down, well, check on people and notice when they're down. If you're saying you wish somebody had volunteered to help when you were moving, go volunteer and help people when they're moving. You will turn on the whole community when you become alive, when you drink from the living water, when you take from that um, living spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is make us leave our water pots. When you're in that school of the water pot, it's so real to you, to all of us. I've been in those useless debates, right? Of being like, was it supposed to be this many times or this many times? I'm not saying that there's no meaning in ritual. I'm saying we've all been there. We've all been in our like living by the letter part and not by the spirit. But what the spirit does is it just changes you. It gives meaning to the ritual, but it means that these debates that everyone's having, they change. Instead of sitting there being like, so what does this lockdown really mean about you, Chris? And does that priest believe this or does he believe this? And does that guy say this? And how come the Pope did this before this? And how come this bishop said it and this bishop said it? You're not, you're not going to find life. You're not going to find life. I'm not saying there's no truth to those questions. I'm not saying there's no answers to the questions. I'm saying if that's where you spend all of your time, you won't let the spirit work. You won't convert yourself or others. This is a time to come alive in the spirit, the spirit that transforms us, the spirit that can make our dry waters become living, the spirit that allows you and me and Fotini, the name of the Samaritan woman, to become new Moseses, to be new people who bear the name of our God. To him be glory um, forever and ever. Amen. Um, thank you guys for coming. I'm sorry about the confusion um, with the link. Um, God willing, the rest of them should be um, upright. For Bible study and for the other ones, there'll be more interaction, but this was meant to be more as church. Um, and so I won't be doing uh, Q&As with this. Um, but God willing, starting uh, next week, there will be a regular time for a spiritual word and uh, discussion and questions. Thank you guys so much. And please pray for me and pray for the whole church and for the whole world um, during these tough times.